Can we start again from the Mishnah on Daf Yud Amar Aleph? Read it briefly yesterday. Let's, let's try to understand this. Says the Mishnah. So Ma'amidin, right, comes from the word Amar to stand. So it's to set up. So we can set up a tanner and a, and a kirayim. There's two types of ovens. Virechayim, and rechayim is a mill. The mayid on chalamayid. Rabbi Huda says, In mechavshin, we cannot initially go and be mechavshin, which means some sort of cutting, or I think the same as gouging, um, some sort of cutting into the rock cannot be done initially. So, so let's um, let's try to understand a little bit what's going on so by first looking at Rashi. So Ra- let's go to Rashi in the Mishnah. Mamidin Tanar Vikirayim. Sha'isin Oysam Lechatchila. We can make them initially. Like we will say later on that it is permitted on Chalamayid to uh, to go and set up a Tanar Vikirayim. I said I was going to bring them. Um, well, some free marketing. Uh, so it is permitted to bring it. So it's permitted to build a town of cramps. So Rashi says, "What is what? What was their? What were their ovens like?" So, uh, so Rashi says, The inside of the oven is completely hollow. Makam shvisas shtekaderes. So really, just the, the the box switches this around. And he says that by a tanner is a makam for. There's a place to inside this room to place one pot. And in a kira makam, where Rashi says makam shvisas kaderachas, the box switches it to shtekaderes. So the bottom line is it's very. Shvisas means placing. So means placing. Surash by us says that a tanner has room for two pots inside. There must have been some sort of door, or maybe you placed it in from the top. But there was there was some sort of grate where you were able. The fire was basically the fire is basically like a bonfire with this cheres earthenware big uh, cylinder around it to contain the heat. So by a tanner. A tanner had one a place to put one pot, and a kira had a place to put two pots. And that's very clear from the Gemara in Kira, actually the second par- uh, whichever parak it is in Shabbos. I think it's the second parak in Shabbos, where that's where all the halachas of Bishra come from. And a lot of our ovens depends on that, if we qualify like a kira, like a, tenor, a tanner, or a kupach, which is not the point of this, but it's just that's why Rashi here wants it to be consistent with what it says in Shabbos. In Shabbos, it's very clear. A kira is a place where you put two pots. A tan is a place where you put one pot. doesn't really make a difference over here. Over there, it does make a difference because over there, the question is the intensity of the heat. A tanner is wide at the bottom, and it gets narrower as it goes up. And therefore, the heat intensifies. It concentrates all the heat onto one place. And therefore, in Shabbos, there, there, are, there, there are it's more chumr, that which we allow you to do on Shabbos and before Shabbos. But over here it doesn't really matter. The point over here is the building, not the actual usage of the time of the crime. So this is what this is what's permitted to be done on Chalmaid. 
And Rechaim, so we, what we know already is that basically their mill consisted of a stationary stone, which is called a Rechev, a Shechev, because Shechev is like lying down. Uh, so that was the stationary stone that just stood there, and then it was a Rechev, which, uh, so, uh, which would ride around on top of it. There was, there was some sort of wooden frame which kind of held them both in their proper places. Um, and then there was the chamar, or, or whatever it was, the force that was used to spin the top one. You pour the kernels into the hole that goes through the middle of the top, um, of the top stone to the cavity between the upper and lower stones. And then as you spin the top stone, um, the, it goes and it, it grinds the kernels. And um, we also know that there's jagged edges to the upper, to both stones, actually, because if they were both smooth, it wouldn't be very effective. I take a stone like out of the water, which is like really smooth, like glass, and you put them on top of each other, they'll do a minimal job, just like uh, bold tires are not very effective, especially in the rain. So, to initially they would they would make sure that they had certain grooves in them, and every once in a while, if they got if they got um, smoothed out, they would have to regroove it. And the going to talk about that in a minute. So again, so the Mishnah said, oh, I'm sorry, the last Rashi Mechavshin, it says Begumar Mefarsh. Mark's going to explain what exactly, what type of gouging are we referring to. Okay, so one more time, the Mishnah, Mamidin Tanar Ekeraim, we can establish, we can set up uh, a Tanar or a Keraim. A Tanar is an oven that has a place for one pot. Keraim is a place that has oven that has a place for two pots. They're never allowed to be is a mill. The Moid on Cholamar. Rabbi Huda Aymer. Rabbi Huda is the two-potter. No, so Rashi here says that Tanur is a two-potter and Kira is a one-potter. But the box switches it to make it consistent in Shabbos. Yeah, here, if you want to see it entirely, if you see in Rashi, there's a gimel in parentheses. Yes. So that goes to the Bach, which is on the inner right margin, almost at the top. And what letter are we looking for? A gimel? So if you look at the gimel, it's a divar masma midin v'chulum. Makum shvisas kedera achas. Kira, makum shvisas shte kederis. Nechta v'tzida. It's written on the side. Kain hu bereish parakira. So it appears in parakira. So the Bach... Uh, we generally go with the Bach, and the Bach switches the gears to, to fit with the second shot. And that's easier to remember, because Kira is Kirayim, and that's plural, so that's two parts. And Tanoi is only one single. Yeah, I'm trying to remember if that's the reason... Uh, if that's the reason why... Oh yeah, fine, either way. Okay, so Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda says that you cannot do mechavshin, whatever that means, you can't cut into the stone, um, in the beginning. So, let's, let's see, it's not clear from the mission yet if there's a machlekes. Did the Tanakhama hold when he said Mamidin? Did Mamidin include Machavshin? The symbol saying is that there is no Machlagis, right? The Tanakhama just said you can set up the stones one on the other. Tanakhama never addressed would it be permissible to to go and groove the stones or make holes in the stones, whatever Machavshin means. But if you says you cannot do Machavshin. So it says the Gemara. My Machavshin. What does Machavshin mean? 
Reb Huda Amar, Reb Huda says, Menaker Rechai. It means you're Menaker Rechai. What is Menaker? So we know Nikr, Nikr Agid Vachilah, right? So we know that one of the processes of making uh, making meat kosher, which I believe we don't really do nowadays, is but the whole fine section of a cow, there's a lot of Chalavim uh, and the Geranashel, a lot of things there which are not permitted to eat. So you need someone who's very skilled and talented to be able to be menaker. And menaker means that they know exactly how to dig into the flesh and pull out all the right um, veins and sinews and everything. And that, that process is called nikr. So here is nikr means some sort of digging. It says Rashi, menaker shana, that when it is old, and smooth, and the wheat kernels are not able to get smashed and uh, ground. So then we do nikr. What does that mean? Cut it. So that it will not be equal, so it won't be smooth. So that the wheat which is beneath it will, will become ground. Well, it will be grounded. That it will be literally be like weakened or smashed. How about this para? Yeah, it's the same word. So it's like smashing work. Yeah, back breaking. So over here it means that you're breaking down the wheat. So so he says that when Rabbi Huda said in the Mishnah, in Mechavshin Esrechaim, it means they have a, a, a mill that's been used now for for a number of years, and the one of the stones or both of the stones are smooth, and you got to switch out the tires, or you have to buy a mill, you have to go and cut into the stone. So probably wasn't you know edges like you would see on a tire, but. It would probably, you know, just start cutting away until it becomes rough again. And then that would last for a while, and we have to do it again. So that's what Mechav should mean. And that's what the mission is coming to say, that you cannot do that. Uh, back to the Gemara. So the, they only did the upper stones. I don't know. Well, if they're both sharp, then they grind each other down. And they wind up with, with stone and wheat. So that wouldn't be very useful. So one is smooth and the other is... is it, you're saying this because you, you know we're saying this based on the logic that you did here? Uh-huh. Something like that. Basically, we don't have this person anymore. Physically, he's got... No, I mean, Rashi does speak in the singular, right? Sheikh Shehir Shan of Achalansi is referring to the mill. Yeah, we're saying it makes sense. I, I don't know exactly how it works, but... Um, again, I'm going back to my tire muscle. The tire is not smooth and the road is not smooth. Uh, but it, it still works. Is it? Yeah. That is... If you hit a rough road, it's because they haven't paved it yet. Uh-huh. You're saying the goal is to have a relatively smooth. Rough and smooth. Otherwise, they grind each other. Like if you take a metal file... And so you, you know, you file metal. File doesn't wear down. If you take two files and you do this, you're wearing down the files. Cover yourself. You make sense out here? Okay. That does make sense. Rabbi Omar. Rabbi says, 
Let's say this is our Rebbe Arshkol. Help us out here at all. Fifteen. A mill consists. Let's should we read fifteen? A mill consists of a pair of millstones: the lower fixed millstone, the bedstone, and the upper rotating millstone, the runner, the rechet. A pair of smooth millstones will not grind the kernels properly. Therefore, the lower millstone, the bedstone, is roughened by cutting grooves into it, producing the ridges that catch and grind the kernels. See Rashi and Rashi Tzurif. So, so they say it means just the lower stone. Rashi here writes that when the millstones become worn smooth from use, the lower grinds properly must be grooved again. These comments would suggest that Yehuda in the mission means to forbid the gouging of an old millstone. The understand, this understanding, however, is difficult because our version of the Mishnah reads that Yehuda forbids gouging millstones initially. Friend of first, a new millstone. Wherever the Bible cites Yehuda in the name of Rebbe is permitting gouging an old millstone, the national son of Yehuda's personal view as well. Oh. Yeah, so this is a question. So first of all, yes. So first of all, Jeff, you're correct. That we're talking about just the bottom stone. I guess the top stone, just the pressure of probably of gravity, on, and add that to the grooves in the lower stone, would make the, would ground the wheat sufficiently. But the problem is, according to this opinion, according to Rav Yehuda, which just, I'll just point out, is not Reb Yehuda in the Mishnah. The Reb Yehuda in the Mishnah is a Tana, Rav Yehuda in the Gemara is a Meira, but he's explaining that the word of Mechavshin, that, that Reb Yehuda used in the Mishnah, means that you're regrooving the lower millstone. So, the question is, he said in the Mishnah, it says, Reb Yehuda Aymer, in Mechavshin es Reichayim, Betchila. What does Betchila mean? The tchila sounds like we're, it sounds like also from the flow of the mission. We're talking about there was no mill before Yantav. Now you decided that you need more challah or matzah or whatever. So now you're making you're putting together a mill. So you take the upper stone, the lower stone, and do whatever you need to do. They said, but it can't be mechavsh. It sounds like it's a process part of creating the mill. According to Rav Yehuda and the Gemara, is not the case. And you can't read it as tchila b'diavad. This one means. Meaning, um, you can just set it up, but if you set it up and it's not working, so to be a dog, you can groove it. Batchila doesn't mean Batchila, right? It doesn't. No, no Batchila sounds like the beginning. I, I, if you would add, if, if you say it means Kibatchila, right, then it would make a lot of sense. But you can go and, you know, like new, Kamochadash. So, then, so that, that could make sense. But I think he says that. Okay. T- Okay, we'll see more on the Gemara. Tesla talks about this also a little bit. Uh, apparently, this kasha is Tesla's is kasha, but we'll leave it as a question for now. Let's look at the next opinion. Uh, maybe after we see the Gemara, we'll be able to come back to this. Maybe not. Rabbichil says, What does it mean when Rabbichil says the word mechavshin in the Mishnah? It means bas eno. Literally means the daughter of the eye. What does that mean? Says Rashi, Bas Eno, Nekiv Shaisin Bemtsarichaim, the hole that you make in the middle of the upper millstone, Shatfun, Nefelis, the Sech, that the grains fall inside of it. Um, is it the upper one? I thought it meant the upper one. So why is it called the eye hole? Because it's the middle. It looks like an eyeball. It looks like an eyeball. Or an eye socket. Oh, basina. Oh, I think that's what basina means. Basina could be like an eye socket, which is round. So basina 
and uh, so, I think you were saying it looks like an eyeball or the pupil in the middle. Oh, the whole stone looks like an eyeball. Yeah, hard, uh, hard end. Okay. But either way, this for this it makes sense. This is something that you do initially. This is something that's done when you um, when you're setting up the mill. So that makes sense. The word betchila. Fine. So the bottom line is that everyone agrees that you can set up the mill. We know that Rabbi Yehuda and the Mishnah says and either means you cannot regroove the the lower stone or make a hole in the upper stone. Says the Gemara We have a cash. We're quoting from a Bryce somewhere. It says Ma'midin Tanor Vikirayim. Which is like our mission. So it's permitted for somebody to go and to set up a single oven, a double oven, and a mill, as long as you do, you do not complete the work. The work of building it or the work of grinding? The work of building it. So you have to do some sort of shinoi. So you can't do a com- you can't you can't complete you can't finish the job. So what, I mean, why is that? I mean, so why why are permitted to be done in the chalamod if it's not going to serve any purpose? Or kohelis. Yeah, well, you don't so, finish doesn't mean that it doesn't serve a purpose. It just doesn't mean that you like grind every. You don't put on the doorknobs. You put on the doorknobs. You still use it to grind some stuff? Yeah. Incomplete things can be used. Maybe not in the best possible way. So our mission had no caveat. I'm just pointing that out. I don't think that's why we're bringing this in the Gemara. But our mission just said that you can do it. Our mission sounded like it's okay. You can finish it completely. And this this level of tircha or malacha is not something that was a problem. And it's permitted to be done. But Rebeliezer uh, says no. It has to be that you don't complete it. The Chacham say Afiyigmar. So that's probably the author of our Mishnah, the Chacham, and we'd prefer it to be that way anyway. Fine. Rabbi Yehuda Imer Mishmai. Yehuda says in his name, his name is the one who was mentioned earlier, in the Bryce, namely Rabbi Yezer, that Mamidin Esa Chadasha, you can take a new oven and you could set it up. Mechavshin Esa Yishana. And if you want to do mechavshin, you can do mechavshin for an old oven. Wait, wait, mechavshin? Uh, are we talking about rechayim? Yes. Oh, that's probably that's probably why. <coughs> oh, mamidin is a chadasha. Rechayim chadasha. That's what it would sound like. So that's why Rabbi Kivager put it in the word Rechayim. Mechavshin is Hayishana. And we could do Mechavshin, it could gouge an old one. And Vyeshaimrim, and there's an opinion, another opinion that says, Imechavshin Kolek, you can't do Mechavshin at all. So now the Gemara analyzes this. Bishlam Adamanda Amar Mechavshin, it's understandable according to the one that says, that the word mechavshin means menaker echayo, so we make that hole in the middle of the millstone. Hainu the meshkachas lab yishana. I'm sorry, menaker echayo doesn't mean the hole. Menaker echayo means that you're uh, recutting, 
the smooth stone. You're making it rough again. So I know the mishkachas law. I know this is the mishkachas that it's found. Law to it be shana in an old mill. You can have an established mill. It's being used for a period of time. And now it got smooth. And now that it's smooth, it's no longer usable. So then we say that you need to do nikr. You need to go back and you need to re-rough it up, whatever the word is. You need to be doing minakdo. Elo laman omer bas ino. The one who says it means making that hole in the middle of the top stone. Yishana bas ino lomala. For an old one, a basin that's great this hole, why does it need it? Every mill, when you're creating it, initially had that hole there. So there's no purpose uh, to, to, it doesn't make sense. You, you can't do it again. So what do we want to prove? So we're asking a question. And the hole never wears out. The hole doesn't wear out, exactly. If anything, it might get bigger, but it's not going to get smaller. So Rabbi Chil said that it means a basin. Um, so how does he learn this Mishnah that says... That mechavshin is a yeshana. Now, just I just want to point out that we're not bringing this as a proof to our Mishnah of what the halach is of mechavshin. Because Rabbi Yudah said in mechavshin, when we said already before, we don't know what the Tana Kama holds in our Mishnah. The first opinion in regards to mechavshin. So we're not bringing. That's not the issue because that's what's going on in my head right now, I'm trying to figure out how this fits with the Mishnah. Mechavshin is a shun. So, mechavshin kolikir would sound like Rabbi Huda in our mission. Oh, it is Rabbi Huda. Oh, one second. Rabbi Huda in our mishmai. Oh, this is what they were. This is what Tess was asking. Okay, because it. So there's there's two tracks here. Just just to uncomplicate what's what's at least confusing me and perhaps confusing you as well is that there's really there's two separate issues here. One issue is the various opinions that are brought down in the Brasa regarding what could be done and what can't be done. That is not the topic of the Gemara. That is the topic maybe of Tesis, and maybe we'll get to that in a minute. Let's put all of that on the side completely. And now let's only focus on what really is the topic of the Gemara. And namely, the topic of the Gemara is what is the definition of the word Mechavshin? So from the fact... The Gemara is pulling out one one simple fact. From the fact that we use the word mechavshin, and we say that it refers specifically, or at least it also refers to an older mill, so with, then we have a problem. According to the opinion that says that it means basena, that you put a hole in the middle of the top stone that cannot be done by an old one because it was already done when it was initiated. So that's the only issue that the Gemara is dealing with at this point. So let's stick with that issue and leave all the opinions on the side for a minute. We'll come back afterwards and see how it fits with the mission. So the Gemara says... How do we know it is the old... Because it says Yeshana. It says in the Braiso, Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda says the name of Rabbi Yezer, Right, you can set up a new mill. And if you do Mechavshin, whatever that is, to an old one. That means it's possible to be mechavshin, an old established mill. If mechavshin means roughing it up again, then it makes sense. You have to rough up the stone when you make it by a chadasha, and every once in a while you have to do it again by yeshana as well. So that makes a lot of sense. But if mechavshin means the hole that you make in the upper millstone, in the rechev, once you did it, you never have to do it again. So why, how could it be mechavshin? It must be that the word mechavshin means 
that you you make the grooves on the lower millstone. That was the Mar's question. So the Mar says. <coughs> so the last skinny line. So the Mar says really mechavshin could mean making that initial hole on the on the rechav on the top millstone. So, so why would you have to ever do it again? Mar says the second word kigoyin. For example, the kaboy that he needs. To widen more a little bit. So he needs to widen it. Why do you widen it? Maybe his business is picking up. The demand is picking up. And now he needs to. Now he needs, I don't know, maybe he could do a higher volume of, of grain. <coughs> so the, there, it is possible sometimes to have to redo or, or widen the original hole that he made. So now, so we're saying so it's not a kasha. According to everyone, it is possible that, to, that, to everyone, it's possible to do machavshin even by a yeshan. So let's see Rashi before we get too far here. So Rashi is the third Rashi in the Gemara, probably like 10 lines before they get wide. So Rashi says. This is going according to the opinion that says that mechavshin means menaker echaya. So she says because it needed this shekfar hichalaka because it's already smooth. It's because it's constantly grinding. That this person is not he's not a battling, he's not a lazy person. He's he's constantly using his mill. And therefore, it's, it gets uh, gets smoothed out. Elamanda Omar, according to the opinion, the one who says the mechavshin haino basino, the mechavshin means making that original hole yishana basino lama. Why does a yishana? Why does an old one need that hole? Like far islo basino, already has one. Shikvar yishana militchain. It's already old from grinding. In other words, it's it's been initiated a long time ago. If I never had that hole, which would allow you to drop in the kernels, you never could have ground in there to begin with. So it must be it had a basino. So then what? So then why are you doing it again? My answer is You need to widen that basino more. Such Then you could find it even by an older mill. So. Just to recap what the Gemara says here, right? The Gemara, the, the Rabbi Yudah said the Mishnah, in mechavshin is rechaim betchila, cannot do mechavshin betchila. Okay, so and the Machlokes says, what's the definition of mechavshin? Rabbi Yudah says it means making the grooves. Rabbi Chil says it means making that stone. The question was, we have a brayse that refers to doing mechavshin on an older mill. Which we understand that an older mill could fit with Rav Yehuda that says you might need to put the grooves back in, but we don't understand how it can fit with Rabbi Chil who says you make the basin. And the Mar says that a basin sometimes you can need because you want because you need to widen it. So that's the Gemara sugya. Is that part clear? Okay. So now let's go to the to the other question, which Gemara is not dealing with directly, <coughs> and that is Rabbi Yehuda and the Mishnah said in Mechavshin it's Rechaim Betchila. So Rabbi Yehuda said Betchila. So Betchila clearly is referring to a new uh, a new mill, and he said he can't do Mechavshin, which means that you, according to Rabbi Yehuda, you can't make that hole, or you can't make the grooves. 
right? And then we have a Bryce soon. One said, right? right, right was the one who we said, also have Rabbi Huda. And he's sitting. And Rabbi Huda is saying in the name of Rabbi Eliezer, which let's assume that Rabbi Huda, if he's saying in his name, he agrees with it. So he says, "Ma'amid in sechadasha u'mechavshin esayishana." So now, so the Gemara took care of how mechavshin by yishana is possible, but he says, "Ma'amid in sechadasha u'mechavshin esayishana." What do you say? What's the purpose of the Chadasha if you cannot, if you cannot make it either about Aina or... Hold on, so, so what's saying, see, you're saying Kasha, according to Rabbi Huda, that you could only do Mechavshin to an old one. That means you can't do Mechavshin to a new one. So you're saying, what would be the purpose of Mavidin as a Chadasha? If you're not going to do mechavshin, I would say I'm trying to figure this out. I would say there must be that it's possible that there's a way they can use a new one even without being mechavshin according to both explanations. But Dov's asking a good question. Uh, yes, he said we have, we have two definitions of mechavshin. Right? Either it's a hole or the grooves. The, uh, Rabbi Huda and the Brises said you can set up a new mill. You can't do mechavshin. How do you use a new mill if you don't do mechavshin? First, according to the one who says the basaina, how do you get in the kernels? So the one who says it's grooved. Well, if there's no grooves, what does it do? That's the cash. So I'm just thinking out loud. Perhaps a teretz that just like we said before, the avad shleigmer malachtan and Mike has a kasha that if you're not if you're shleigmer malachtan, so then what's the purpose? What are you doing? We said no, that it's it's not perfect and it's not it's not optimal. But it could still be used, so I would say perhaps the same thing here. That, yeah, the normal way to get the weed in is with uh, basino. Perhaps there are ways to get the kernels in. It's not the best way, and a lot of them are going to fall back out at you. But you will be able to get some sort of product by maybe throwing them in from the side. Uh, two smooth stones are not going to do the best job, but at the end of the day, two you know you could with your fingers you could do a little bit of grinding. So two stones at the end of the day are stones. It could do something. I don't know, but uh, the kasha, the mother doesn't ask that kasha. Yeah. Well, the, the, the seeds will grind against each other, so you still get some grinding. It's just not going to be highly efficient. Yeah, I hear. And I guess there's a way to get them in there. Or, or maybe we're talking about you, you put the kernels on the top stone, on the bottom stone, and then you put the top stone on top of it. <laughs> it must be. But now the question, what, what's Rabbi Huda's opinion? So Rabbi Huda on the Mishnah said, you can't do machavshin to a new one. And the Brahsa said, you could do machavshin to an old one. Or, or it could mean that a hole was cut, but the hole was not properly cut. But it's never been used, so it's a new, you know, like the bag refurbished item, because they didn't work, so they send your computer back to the factory, they replace the damaged component, they test it, and sell it as refurbished. So maybe this is a refurbished item, it's, it's never been used, so we call it new. Okay. I hear that could be. So what's Rabbi Huda's opinion? Rabbi Huda says that you can't do mechavshin on a new mill. Whatever that means. You cannot, you cannot make on the new, but you can make on the old. Right, right, so... 
And we know that we know that it applies to both. And mechavshin applies to new and to old. So why would it be more permissible to do mechavshin on an old one? Well, I could I can hear this. So I don't know why Tesis asks. Okay, you know what? Let's, let's finish the whole Gemara. Maybe, maybe we'll come back to Tesis. I know Tesis is as a Kasha on Rashi for how he learns Mechavshin. But really, based on the Gemara that we have here, we could say something very simple. You say that Rabbi Huda in the Mishnah who says he does not permit Mechavshin is by a new one. Because I assume if you have a hole, if you have a stone and there was never a hole there and you want to bore a hole straight through it, that's, that's some serious work. If you have a, a stone that was naturally relatively smooth and you want to make these big grooves so that you can do proper grinding, that's big work. But if you have a stone that already had a hole and now you want to widen it, or if you had a stone that already had grooves and you just want to, whatever, you want to reinforce those grooves, that that might not be as much of a tircha or as much of a malacha or as much of a tikkun as if you're doing by a chadasha. So therefore, if you do that by a chadasha, you can't do a chadasha, by an old one, you could do a chadasha. Okay, so I think that works. Well, maybe just in the last, just in the list, work, right? Because on the, on the old one, you have to set up this meal, right? And in the new one, you have to first now bring this stones and then you know, make the whole. I mean, together is more, is more job, right? Well, uh, but let's leave my meeting out for a minute. I'm even just within Mechavshin itself, let's forget about the fact that you have to go find the stones and put them together and assuming that you have the stones there and you just look at Mechavshin <clears throat> the malacha that you're doing by an old one versus a new one by an old one it's always less right because by, by an old one if you're making a hole straight down the middle there was a hole there so you make it a little wider it's not such a big deal but and the same thing by doing the group okay says the Gemara yeah let's move on Ravuna Shamei Lahugavram Ravuna heard a certain person, the Kamenaker Rechayo, that he was putting grooves onto a mill, the Chilo de Mayado, on the Cholamoy. Omar, you said, my high. What is this? What are you doing? Cholamoy, you can't do that. <coughs> Rashi says, Menaker Rechayo B'yishana. He was doing it in an old one. Rashi says he was he was using an old mill, and he was the Menaker Rechayo. He was putting the grooves back into an old mill. That means he got worn out. And we'll see in a minute how Rashi knew he was talking about an old one. And my high is Mazi Matause. Hello. Right? So, my high, he said, What's going on here? He said, Ischel Gufei. Rashi says, Yischalel Gufei. His body should become, I don't know, mundane, desecrated. Ischel means Yischalel. Uh, it? It's like Chulin. May his body be desecrated because he desecrates Chol Hamorah. Desecrated, okay. May his body be desecrated. Okay. says that really Because there's Choyl and then there's Chilel. Chilel is desecrated. And Chol is just not the absence of Kedusha. That's not. You're Machal Shabbos, but if you're Machal Sunday, there's nothing wrong with what you're doing. It's because it is Chol. Okay. Ischol Gufes to let his body be desecrated. The Kamachol. 
he's desecrating Cholamoid. So clearly, Rav Huna was of the opinion that this activity was prohibited on the Cholamoid. So what was he doing? He was putting the grooves on a mill on Cholamoid. So who holds? That's Mechavshin. It might be Mechavshin. According to Rav Yehuda, it's Mechavshin. The Mar says, He holds like the Yeshayimim that says, In Mechavshin, Kol Iker. Because remember, we have Rabbi Yudan Ramishna that says, In Mechavshin, Betchila, which means by no one. This guy was being Mechavshin. So he said, He holds like the Yeshayimim. But then the Mishnah doesn't say Yeshayim. <laughs> it doesn't. But the Bryce brings a Yeshayim Rim. That says the last words of the Bryce so that we bring by Mesve. It says, after it brings Rabbi Huda, it says, Imachavshin Kolikir. So it seems like that, that we have levels here as well. That being doing Machavshin to a new one, like that's a, that's a super Malacha. Doing Machavshin to a Yishana is a lower level of Malacha. So we're saying that. Yeshayimim is, you see where it says Meisvei, the third line of the Gemara? So, so over there, we bring down first from, from the beginning of the Gemara. Here, I'll tell you where Yeshayimim is. Yeshayimim is one, two, three, four, five lines before the lines get wide. The first word on the line is Umechavshin as a Yishana. See that? Yeah. So even by an old one where it's a lower level malacha because it was already done, you're just reinforcing or reinstating, refurbishing that which was already there. Even there, it's not permitted to do Huna, who gave this strong curse to this gentleman who was deciding with mechalal cholamayid. He must hold the opinion of the yeshemim. Now, this is why Rashi said before Rashi said Yishana. How does Rashi know it's going by an old one? Because if it was going by a new one, then it could have been Rabbi Huda and the Mishnah. It didn't have to be the Yeshayim. Because Rabbi Huda and our Mishnah also said, in Mechavshin, Esrei Chaim, Betchila. So clearly Rashi is learning the Gemara, and it seems to be that that's what Gemara means, that Mechavshin and the Mishnah means, Betchila means by a new one. So therefore, we couldn't say these Rabbi the Mishnah. The only one who said that by Yishana, see, you see, Betchila is the opposite of Yishana, which, which kind of makes sense. Okay. I do want to reinstate the Chazara, that we'll do a Chazara together before we leave, but... Uh, the story? Fine. Ravuna, oh, there's one more point here. Let's see. Ravuna Shamei Lahugavar. Ravuna heard... That man, he heard somebody, the Komenaka Rechaya, that he was putting the grooves, he was cutting into a stone, the millstone, So does Shmai Lahu mean he heard about him, or does it mean he heard him doing the work? He heard him doing the work. And that's what, essentially, they heard him. He, you can't hear the sound of, I don't think, unless you have a super hearing. You can't hear the sound of someone who's putting the grooves into an, a lower millstone. He, he heard noise. And then he turned and he saw. But he could have been doing anything. There's no way that that sound could have been permissible. Uh, I'm assuming that what happened here is that he heard and that got his attention. And he walked over to see. Yeah. 
I just want to see if, if I'm making that up. Yeah, no. Okay. So Omar, he said, my ha- man hai. He said, what is this? I was, what are you doing? It, it, it wasn't really a question. It was, well, what are you doing? What's going on? What's going on? This is, he wasn't, it wasn't a question. He was saying, you can't do this. And and he saw, as Rashi explained, <coughs> that he was doing this, this uh, malacha in an old mill. So, Yisro the Kamachal Chedamayata, let the body, let his body be desecrated because he is desecrating Kalamayat. So, the Mar says, it must be Sarva Lakishem. That Ravuna, who behaved this way, he gave this person this curse. He clearly was of the opinion that what he was doing was Asr. So, who's the one who says that this is Asr to be done in That is the Yashem. Because the Yashem says that um, you cannot be Mechavshin Kol Iker, even by an old mill. Why don't you just tell him that's Asr? Why is he cursing? Um, the P has, thinking, has, has does it say curse? Yeah, it does. Right? Uh, I mean, it says what he said about him. Like the, in other words, if, oh. if imagine uh, I'm in my front yard and I'm playing with my kids and we're like yeah, digging on Cholomite because that's what they wanted to do. Rabbi Halpern drives by. What are you doing? And he, he puts out a, you know, a strong curse, Kassel Shalom. Fire him immediately. Uh, it certainly wouldn't be effective. So the Gemara, you find in the Gemara. I'm, I'm processing your question. You find in the Gemara. Uh, the certain Amiram specifically, light Abaya. Abaya would curse, and Chasusham has nothing to do with you know people who can't control themselves. They say terrible things. Um, but you have, I think it was Laila Allah Abaya that Abaya would curse different people for different things. So what? I'm just, I'm, I'm just showing you that it's not uncommon, and that doesn't answer your question. It just maybe strengthens it, or just shows that it's something that's done. Yeah, but I'm just saying it doesn't sound like it's to his. Hold on. Um, I, regarding hearing, I first, first regarding the curse, because sometimes it could be for other people. Like you know, they say by the in the Haggadah, so we have the the Rashi. We say. You know, Haki Shinov. Next, when we say Shinov, the the point is not it's not a response uh, to him. We're talking to everybody else and saying this is how you deal with Russia. Haki Shinov. So maybe we have to go back to to um, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai for some help. Why? Because he he, he reinterpreted all those curses as brachos. Oh, I hear. I hear. <laughs> No, no, no. So we don't have to go there. We know that <coughs> there are cases where they give curses, and the curses are curses. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, could be there's a mashon this that would help us out. But let's 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 do. So start with the with the chazara. You want to take it away? So Dorish Rav Chama 
Nukrin Rechayim B'moed Mishum Rabbi Meir. So Rav Chama said you can pierce, broaden the hole in the. In, I'm sorry, Nukrin. You can you can um, groove the top stone of the millstone the full moed um, in the name of Rabbi Meir. Well, so Nukrin Rechayim B'moed. You can groove the lower stone on Cholmoid, period. Okay. Or they switch it to Rav, I think. So from Rabbi Meir, we learned um, even the horse that you ride and the Chamor that you ride it's permissible to trim the hoofs on Cholmoid. Mm-hmm. Um, but the donkey uh, that turns the millstones, you can't, um, you can't um, trim his hoofs. Right, we said the reason for that is because you're just doing it for grinding, you just need to grind a little bit, right. so it's not necessary. It's not Tzarech HaMoyed. And Rav Yehuda Shari L'Mishkal Tufrei L'Chamra Derecha And So, if you're permitted, literally means to take the nails or the hooves of the donkey of the mill. And, and if you look at footnote 3, it's explained on 10b1, yeah, footnote 3, since trimming the hooves enhances its ability to grind the flour mm-hmm. for the festival, so that's why it's motor. So, you know, he's trying to explain, because Rashi just explained, the other opinion said, that's not a Tzarek so why does he hold it is a Tzarek So it's, it's not critical, but it definitely enhances the process. Mm-hmm. And it's permissible also to set up uh, millstone, the Livne Rechaya, and to build um, for the, the the millstone, something has mm-hmm. to hold them in place. Amas um, Amas and to build a, a structure, a barn for the millstone, for the, the, the Nivne Uria. And um, so Amas is to build the frame of the mill, Nivne Uria is to build a barn. Okay, do we take out Rav? No, or we, we switch it to Rav. Rav Shara Lisroke Susya. Rav permits us um, to um, to comb the horses. The Lemizne Akarpita and to build. Uh, uh, manger. Mm-hmm. Uh, manger is a feeding trough. That's what Google said last time. Well, the uh, Nivne 
Artstovo and to build a, a bench, a stone mm -hmm. bench. And Rava Shara Lamishkal Dama Livhema Bechula de Moada. So Rava permits us um, to. Um, I don't think we did this last time. No, I don't think so. Okay, so let's start from here. So Rava Shara Lamishkal Dama Livhema Bechula de Moada. Rava permitted taking the blood from an animal on a cholamayid. In other words, doing bloodletting, which at that point in time either was beneficial or, or at least it was understood to be beneficial and healthy to do some bloodletting. So, so this is just for the health of the animals? Yeah. So Rashi says, the mishkol dama lahakiz. Hakaza means uh, bloodletting. So the is going to now go into, the is going to discuss refua for a behemoth if that's permitted on Chalmite. So Amr Abaye, Abaye tells Rava, Tanya, the Brisa, we learned in the Brisa that the Messiah that helps you, that proves that you're, what you're saying is correct. What's the text of the Brisa? The Brisa says, Makizim dam lebehima, we're allowed to do, we're allowed to take, let out the blood from an animal, ve'in moinin refua lebehima, we also did not hold back from applying or doing with the animal things that are necessary for healing purposes. So, being that blood is considered to be a concept of refuah, so therefore that is permitted to be done on Cholamayid. Okay. So, Rav Shara Likeskuse Kirmi. Now another thing that Rava permitted, Rava said that Rava permitted press, uh, pressing clothing. Uh, Kiskusi is pressing, Kirmi is clothing. Rav says, Kikusi gihut shikarin kibulir. Which means pressing. Some Rishonim say that it's uh, gihut is a form of cleaning. And if I recall correctly, there are those who say that it's both, that it's cleaning through pressing somehow. And Karman, Rashi says, is begadim, clothing. So Rava permitted pressing the clothing on Chalamayid. Why? My time, what's the reason? Maisa Hedyatu. This is a, an ordinary, unskilled activity, says Rashi. Maisa Hedyatu, Mutter la Asusi Bechayla Shalmayid, the Lav Maisa Umanhum. So it's not a skilled work, and therefore it's permitted. And we know that Allah, they now do laundry on Chalamayid. There are heterim for small children, they sew their clothing. There might be a term for a little bit older children to add with it and whatever. But um, it seems like, I'm assuming we're going to get more into this. But for right now, all we know is that if it's my suman, I would assume that throwing clothing into a washing machine in 2019 is not a my suman. Putting the clothing in the dryer is not a my suman. Uh, dry cleaning might be a Maisa Uman, but regular laundry is behind Maisa Uman, so we have to know why it's also. But this type of cleaning or pressing was permitted. Um, Rav Yitzhak Barami. Rav Yitzhak, the son of Ami, said, Um, Rav Chista, the name of Rav Chista, Kiture Biri Aser. Kiture Biri, which we'll define in a minute, that's Aser, my time, what's the reason? Maisa Umanhu, that's a skilled activity. What's Kiture Biri means? So it's really, there's two, there's a gears of Biri, there's a gears of Beyadi. 
which means sleeves, the house of the hands, which is sleeves. And kiture is like kishur, it's like tying, so like some sort of tying of the sleeves. So Rashi has two pshatim here. Um school goes with the second pshat, I assume, because it's the more um, easier to understand pshat. The first one is hard to understand. But let's see Rashi. Kiture, oh, Rashi says kiture, oh no, Rashi says kiture beiri. But in the Mishra Sushas, they have the gifts of kiture beyadi. It says Rashi, lemevad b'moyed. You cannot do it on Cholmoyed. Why? This is what they would do. What do they do? So they would take Kalim. So Kalim can mean utensils. Kalim could mean clothing. And Chalukim can mean smooth and Chalukim can mean separate. And it could also mean a tunic. A Chaluk is a tunic. That's why I had a hard time with this Rashi. But they take Kalim Chalukim Vahiyu Mechlikin Aleihem Beis Yad and they would be machlik on them uh, sleeve, shel chalukehem, and that's my sa'uman huva aser. So it sounds like they would attach the sleeves of their tunics to this other kelim chalukim. So if we're talking about kelim, why are you adding sleeves to a real utensil? If it means clothing, so then it almost looks like a play in words, right? Kim chalukin. Mechlikin chalukehen, right? You have the same word chaluk three times. So kilim chalukim, unless it means separate pieces of clothing, and they would maybe attach them by adding the sleeves from their chaluk onto them. Some sort of professional tailor operation going on here. I don't know exactly what they were doing. <coughs> but this um, procedure was not permitted on chalamayid. Let's look at the, lush, the second lush and see. Maybe we'll come back to the first one. Lushnachrin, the second version. Lekavitz kmatim, so to um, press the pleats. Sha adam oisur beis yad, that person puts on the sleeves. Shemamalanis mekana shal shibalim. You fill it up with the stalk, uh, with the straw of the stalks. Chalak chalakim that are smooth mekamtin, and parvin siyablaz. So this sounds like that they would take a, like a wide sleeve, fold it over, and use the stalks like as separators, and then press it down so that they would have nice pleats in the sleeve. So setting up from a raw sleeve and and making those pleats. And nowadays, a lot of the pleats that we have, the pants that have pleats, shirts that have pleats, a lot of them are sewn in, right? The, it's folded over and it's sewn. That's how it stays that way. Apparently, they had something else that was a pleat, that it wasn't sewn in that way. They sew pleats in. If you have a if you have a pleat. Oh oh, I see. Right right right. Let's right. say on the yes, back yes, of a yes, shirt, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, folded yeah. over and sewn. Right right right. Or in pants, it's also like this, folded right, over right, and right, sewn. Right, right. So, but this is not like that. Yeah, but this is like let's say on even let's say like on a regular pair of pants, right? So there there are also pleats, and you give give them to cleaners as pressed. So to press it, that might be a mice one. Right. So over here, but over here it's more than that. Over here it's almost like. You're fashioning a baguette, right? By making these pleats, um, and that's also to be done a cholamayid. Let's try. Let's try this rash one more time. Katiri biri asher lemevad b'mayid shekacha yoisin. This is what they would do. Shayu neitlan kinim chalukim. Let's say they would take separate. <coughs> I don't think smooth clothing. I think kilm has to mean clothing because we're talking about clothing. 
And chulukin can mean separate or smooth. I don't know what smooth would have to do or anything. That, that doesn't seem to matter. <coughs> so let's say I'll say separate pieces of clothing. Maybe they would press onto these clothing. But why are they adding sleeves to these clothing? He fills it up with a reed. Shall she bomb of the stalk? Halakim with Macampton Parvinciabalas. So, there's some sort of advanced tailor activity which was not permitted. How does, how does Rabbi Scroll deal with this? Yitwiri Biri Asr pleading a sleeve. So, let's look at 16. <coughs> Rashi's second explanation. So, they just go with the second shot in Rashi. So Lashanashir Achir what's the next word? Lakavitz Kmatim. I think it means to press. Kmatim are the pleats. Sha'adam was uh Vaisyad in the Basya the sleeve. Mm-hmm. You fill the pleat with the reed or the stalk of the kernels. So basically you take the straw very smooth. Yeah, and you pleat. So Basically, you take this wide baguette and stick in these long tubes, and then you press over it. So that kind of keeps it separate. I mean, I've never done this. Okay, let's keep on going. So Rav said that that's not, you're not allowed to do that on Cholombay. So I'm going back to my, yeah. my explanation that Simchas Yomtif is supposed to come from a sense that Kodesh Baruch provides for it. So if something requires a lot of work, you feel that you did it, not Kodesh Baruch And if something requires particular skill, you think that he did it, not Kodesh Baruch uh, So you're saying, I can't even have some, some skilled work being done by somebody else. Because for the same reason. Well, it doesn't matter who's doing it. The point is, it's skilled work. So. What about a guy? Is a guy allowed? I don't even know what the Allah is. It's a good. According to that line of reasoning, a guy should not be able to do it. My woman, that is correct. Because it it, it it suggests that you don't need Kodesh Baruch What you need is your you know your three years of apprenticeship to a plumber. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right here. Um, Amar But now that the conversation switches on the hundred to what? Oh, my Rava, man, the So you see where we are? Um, the line the starts, my timer. Amar Rava, man, the maskil arrow, or the Bach actually reads it, man, the maskil tikla. So someone who is removing obstacles from a field. On Cholamayit, so then it depends why he's doing it to know if it's permissible or not. Adata the Beidari, if he's doing it with intention, 
of enhancing that area of the ground so that it should be like a mini threshing house. So then we say shari, it's permitted. Why? Because you let it do threshing on Cholmite so that you could have uh, flour to use. But Adat Ara, if he's doing it, if the purpose of what he's doing is in order to improve the quality of the ground by removing these obstacles, then that's awesome. So again, it depends on his intention. If he's doing it in order to have a threshing, a place to do threshing that's permissible, he's doing it for the carcass also. How do you know what he's doing? Hey, dummy. So how can you tell if what he's doing is for the purpose of um, a threshing floor, for the of doing it for the purpose of of improving the ground? Mulya, so there's two gear studies here, but even before we jump into Gemara's answer, which might be a little bit confusing, but really, what's Gemara's question? The Gemara's question is to an outsider, Gemara's going to say, depending on how he does it, right, that's going to show us whether or not he's doing it for Cholmite, permissible purposes of threshing, or he's doing it to improve the quality of the karka so that he can plow and plant it later. But real, the real question is, who cares what it looks like? If what I, if at the end of the day I'm doing it so that I could thresh, then it should be mutter. If I'm not doing it so I could thresh, it should be also. What's the Gemara's question? Hey, so I think I saw the article brought down from somebody that the question really is. Is the question how do you know which is his intention? Why do you need to know his intention? That is the question. Uh, the, uh, the, the question on the Gemara's question is who cares how you're going to know what my intention is uh, I'm the person who needs to I'm learning the halakha you tell me that if I'm doing it for threshing it's mother for the karka it's also. so fine if I'm doing it for threshing and you think I'm doing it for the karka who cares so they explain that the Gemara's, the Gemara's question really is more than that the Gemara's question is how it let, of course I'm doing it for threshing because otherwise it would be also. But how can I do it in a way that's obvious and I'm doing it for threshing so that I will not uh, have other people say things about me? As a lucky that even if you're doing something that's mutter, there's marasain, tam tiyam, v'sham you're not supposed to make people raise an eyebrow even if what you're doing is permissible. So the Mrs. Kash is, how can I do something and make it so obvious that I'm doing it for a permissible purpose? The, another pshat that they bring is like from a Rav's perspective. That a Ravua has an obligation to protest if they see something that's not being done according to Allah. So, how does a Rav know if what's going on, what the person's intention is? So, the one say, based on what we see, is going to tell us what his intention is. That's, that's what we want to know. Now, let's see what the Gemara says. Gemara says, hey, So, let's, let's read it the way we have it for now. You might as well. Mulya b'mulya. If he takes a pile, so basically we're saying that he has an uneven field. There are a bunch of holes and there are a bunch of hills. And we're not talking about hills, we're talking about mounds, right? Small mounds of dirt. So if he, if he does mulya b'mulya, he puts one hill next to another hill, benatza benatza, and he puts the holes into the holes, then we say adata debedari. Let's just read the way we have it for now. That means that he's doing it for threshing. And that says he's doing it for threshing. However... If he's shakal mulya, the shadavanatsa, if he takes a pile and he puts it into a hole, then adatta da'ar. So the way we would understand this girsa is that by putting 
<coughs> of uh, one pile next to another pile. So we're making a small flat area which would be suitable for threshing. For threshing, you need less of a surface area that's flat than you would need for actually planting. In order to plant the field, you really want everything to be smooth. To do threshing, you just need a small area that's smooth so you can set that up as your threshing station. Okay. So, so he has to put the dirt of one mound onto, the, onto another mound. Or maybe next to it, so to even it out. No, no, it's permissible if he puts it from one right. mound on top of another mound, because it, then it's clear he's not evening out the field. Yeah, well, yeah so why is he doing anything? If he's doing a doctor, he's, he's making a small, flat area for threshing. Right, so that means without doing anything, there wasn't a good enough area. By adding in this extra molya, then he's getting enough of veneer. And the same thing with Natsu Banatsu, he's going to have a small area that's enough for threshing. But the, the best way to get an area for threshing and improve the quality of the karkam is by taking the molya and putting it into the Natsu. Right? If you take it to a hill and you put it into a hole, then you'll have a big area, which you can use for threshing. It's also good for the field. Now this, this fits well with the way we just explained the Mara's question. If I'm doing it for threshing, why can't I do it in a way that's good for both? Right? If, if the truth is that I'm doing it for threshing, then why can't I pick up the molya, put it in a nuts? It's also good for the field, but that's not just for the field that I would stay home and, and continue with my yantif activities. The reason why I went out to the field with a shovel is because I have to thresh. So we're saying, but if the concern is for somebody else, that's why we have to be very careful. So what I understand, I understand if he <coughs> takes dirt from a mound and puts it on top of another mound. But I don't understand if if shakal v'shada benitza. If he took a mound, um, no, what, what's the natsa benata? Natsa benata. How do you like? How do you you? You dig from, you take dirt from one hole and you put it into another hole. That looks like you're filling the, the second hole. So, so let's see what I I mean, how do you fill a hole with a hole? Well, it's, it's, uh, what I understand is if you take the dirt from one hole and put it into another hole, so you're going from hole to hole, so you're... You're you get nothing. You get nothing, but you know that's uh, that's like a semantic trick because if you watch, you're filling the second hole. You take. We still gain nothing for your bedari or for anything. No, you if, if you did that. So we'll start with the with the chazara. Okay. You want to take it away? So Dorshra Chama Nokrin Lechayim B'Moed. Mishum Rabbi Meir. So Rav Chama said you can pierce, broaden the hole in the. I'm sorry, no cream. You can, you can um, groove the top stone of the millstone, the chomoid, um, in the name of Rabbi Meir. So no cream, Rechama Meir. You can groove the lower stone on Chalmoid, period. Okay. Or they switch it to Rav, I think. So from Rabbi Meir, 
we learned um, even the horse that you ride and the chamor that you ride, it's permissible to trim the hoofs on Chol Moed. Aval Chamara, the Rechaya, low. Um, but the donkey uh, that turns the uh, millstones, you can't, um, you can't um, trim his foot. Right, we said the reason for that is because you're just doing it for grinding, you just need to grind a little bit, right. so it's not necessary, it's not Tzarech HaMoyed. And Rav Yehuda Shari Lamishkal Tufrei Lechamra Derecha. And so, if you are permitted, literally means to take the nails or mm-hmm. the hooves of the donkey of the mill. And, and if you look at footnote 3, it's explained on. Since trimming the hooves enhances its ability to grind the flour mm-hmm. for the festival, so that's why it's mutter. So you know, he's trying to explain, because Rashi just explained, the other opinion said, that's not a tzarech so why does he hold it is a tzarech So it's, it's not critical, but it definitely enhances the process. Mm-hmm. And it's permissible also to set up a millstone. rechaya. And to build um, for the, the the millstone, something has mm-hmm. to hold them in place. Um, and to build a, a structure, a barn for the millstone, for the the mivne orya. And um, so Amas is to build the frame of the mill, Livne Orya is to build a barn. Okay, do we take out Rav? No, or we, we switch it to Rav. Rav Shara Lisroke Susya Rav permits us. Um, to um, to comb the horses, the lemizne carpita, and to build uh, a manger. Mm-hmm. A manger is a feeding trough. That's what Google said last time. The lemizne artstava and. To build a, a bench, a stone mm-hmm. bench, and Rava Shara Lamishkal Dama Livhema Bechula de Moada. So Rava permits us um, to. Um, I don't think we did this last time. No, I don't think so. Okay, so let's start from here. So Rava Shara the Mishkal Dama Lebehima Bechaladamiyad. The Rava permitted taking the blood from an animal on Cholamayj. I know there was doing bloodletting, which at that point in time either was beneficial or, or at least it was understood to be beneficial and healthy. 
to do some bloodletting. So, so just for the health of the animals? Yeah. So Rashi says the Mishkol Dama Lahakiz. Hakaza means uh, bloodletting. So the Mara is going to now go into, the Mara is going to discuss Rafua for a behemoth if that's permitted on Chalmite. So Amr Abaye, Abaye tells Rava, Tanya, the Brisa, we learned in the Brisa that the Messiah that helps you, that proves that you're, what you're saying is correct. What's the text of the Brisa? So the Brisa says, Makizin dam lebehima, we're allowed to do, we're allowed to take, let out the blood from an animal. We also did not hold back from applying or doing with the animal things that are necessary for healing purposes. So, being that blood is considered to be a concept of refuah, so therefore that is permitted to be done on Cholamoyed. Okay. So Rav Shara. Another thing that Rava permitted, Rava said that Rava permitted press, uh, pressing clothing. Kiskuse uh, is pressing, Kirmi is clothing. Rav says, which means pressing. Some Rishonim say that it's Gihots is a form of cleaning. And if I recall correctly, there are those who say that it's both, that it's cleaning through pressing somehow. And Carmen, Rashi says, is. Begadim, clothing. So Rava permitted pressing the clothing on Chalamayid. Why? My time, what's the reason? Maisa had you to. This is a, an ordinary, unskilled activity, says Rashi. Maisa had you to mutter la asusi b'chayla shalmayid, the lav maisa umanhum. So it's not a skilled work, and therefore it's permitted. And we know that Allah they now do laundry on Chalamayid. There are heterim for small children, they sew their clothing. There might be a term for a little bit older children to add with it and whatever. But um, it seems like, I'm assuming we're going to get more into this, but for right now, all we know is that if it's my suman, I would assume that throwing clothing into a washing machine in 2019 is not a my suman. Putting the clothing in the dryer is not a my suman. Uh, dry cleaning might be a Maisa Uman, but regular laundry is probably not a Uman, so we have to know why it's also. But this type of cleaning or pressing was permitted. Omar Rav Yitzhak Barami. Rav Yitzhak, the son of Ami, said, Omar Rav Chista, the name of Rav Chista, Kiture Biri Aser. Kiture Biri, which we'll define in a minute, that's Aser, my time, what's the reason? Maisa Umanhu, that's a skilled activity. What's Kiture Biri means? So it's really, there's two, there's a girs of beer, there's a girs of beyadi, which means sleeves, the house of the hands, which is sleeves. And kiture is like kishur, it's like tying, so like some sort of tying of the sleeves. So Rashi has two pshatim here. Um school goes with the second pshat, I assume, because it's the more un- easier to understand pshat. The first one is hard to understand, but let's see Rashi. Kiture, oh, Rashi says kiture, oh no, Rashi says kiture beiri. But in the Mishra Sushas, they have the gifts of Kiture Beyadi. It says Rashi, Lemevad Bamayid. Asr Lemevad Bamayid. You cannot do it on Chalmayid. Why? Shikacha Yoisin. This is what they would do. What do they do? Sheyunitlan Kilim Chalukin. So they would take Kilim. Smooth utensils. So Kilim can mean utensils. Kilim could mean clothing. 
and chalukim can mean smooth and chalukim can mean separate. And it could also mean a tunic. A chalak is a tunic. That's why mm-hmm. I, I had a hard time with this Rashi. But they take him chalukim vahiyu machlikin alehem beisyad, and they would be machlik on them uh, sleeve, shel chalukim. And that's my uman who va'asr. So it sounds like they would attach the sleeves of their tunics to this other kelim chalukim. So if we're talking about kelim, why are you adding sleeves to a real utensil? If it means clothing, so then it almost looks like a play in words, right? Kim chalukin, mechlikin chalukehin, right? You have the same word chaluk three times. So kelim chalukim, unless it means separate pieces of clothing, and they would maybe attach them by adding the sleeves from their chaluk onto them, some sort of professional tailor operation going on here. I don't know exactly what they were doing. <coughs> but this um, procedure was not permitted on Cholmoyed. Let's look at the, lush, the second Lush and see maybe we'll come back to the first one. Lushnachrin, the second version. Lekavitz Kmatim, so to um, press the pleats. Adam that person puts on the sleeves. You fill it up with the stalk, uh, with the straw of the stalks. Chalakim that are smooth and parvensiablas. So this sounds like that they would take a, like a wide sleeve, fold it over, and use the stalks like as separators, and then press it down so that they would have nice pleats in the sleeve. So setting up from a raw sleeve and and making those pleats and those, nowadays a lot of the pleats that we have the pants that have pleats shirts that have pleats a lot of them are sewn in right the, it's folded over and it's sewn that's how it stays that way apparently they had something else that was a pleat that it wasn't sewn in that way they sew pleats in if you have a if you have a pleat oh oh I see right 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 let's right. say yes, on the back yes, of a yes, shirt yeah, right yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, folded yeah. over and sewn right 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 or in pants it's also like this folded right, over right, and right, sewn right. so. But this is not like that. Yeah, but this is like, let's say on, even, let's say like on a regular pair of pants, right? So there are also pleats, and you give, give them to cleaners as pressed. So to press it, that might be a mice umman. So over here, but over here it's more than that. Over here it's almost like you're fashioning a baguette, right, by making these pleats. Um, and that's also to be done in Cholomite. Let's try, let's try this ration one more time. Katiri biri asra lamevad b'moyid. This is what they would do. Show you Nathan Kinlum Chalukim. Let's say they would take separate. <coughs> I don't think smooth clothing. I think Kinlum has to mean clothing because we're talking about clothing. And Chalukim can mean separate or smooth. I don't know what smooth would have to do or anything. That, that doesn't seem to matter. <coughs> so let's say I would say separate pieces of clothing. Maybe they would press onto these clothing. Why are they adding sleeves to these clothing? He fills it up with a reed. So, some sort of advanced tailor activity. Which was not permitted. How does how does Rabbi Scroll deal with this? Yitzur Biri Aser pleating a sleeve. 
So let's look at 16. <coughs> Rashi's second explanation. So they just go with the second shot in Rashi. Okay, so Lashon Asher, Achir, what's the next word? Lekavitz, Kmatim. What is Kavitz? I think it means to press. Kmatim are the pleats. Sha'adam was Beveisyad, in the Beveisyad asleep. Sha'amalim was a. You fill the pleat with the reed or the stalk of the kernels. So basically you take the straw. Very smooth. Yeah, and you, you, yeah, and you pleat. So... Basically, you take this wide baguette and stick in these long tubes, and then you press over it. So that kind of keeps it separate. Okay, I've never done this. Okay, let's keep on going. So Rav said that that's not, you're not allowed to do that on Cholomite. Yeah. So, so I'm going back to my, yeah. my explanation that Simchas Yom Tif is supposed to come from a sense that Kodesh Baruch provides for us. So if something requires a lot of work, you feel that you did it, not Kodesh Baruch And if something requires particular skill, you think that he did it, not Kodesh Baruch uh, So you're saying, I can't even have some, some skilled work being done by somebody else because for the same reason. Well, it doesn't matter who's doing it. The point is it's skilled work. So what about a guy? Is a guy allowed? I don't even know what the Allah is. It's a good, according to that line of reasoning, a guy should not be able to do it. That is correct. Because it, 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 it suggests that you don't need Kodesh Baruch What you need is your, you know, your three years of apprenticeship to a plumber. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right here. Um... Amar um, Rava. Amar Rava, man the maskil. So you see where we are? The line starts, my timer. My son, Amar Rava, man the maskil arrow. Or the Bach actually reads it, man the maskil tikla. So someone who is removing obstacles from a field. On Cholamayit, so then it depends why he's doing it to know if it's permissible or not. Adata the Beidari, if he's doing it with the intention of enhancing that area of the ground so that it should be like a mini threshing house, so then we say, Shari, it's permitted. Why? Because you're allowed to do threshing on Cholamayit so that you could have uh, flour to use. But Adata the Ara, if he's doing it for the purpose of what he's doing, is in order to improve the quality of the ground by removing these obstacles, then that's awesome. So again, it depends on his intention. If he's doing it in order to have a threshing, a place to do threshing that's permissible, he's doing it for the car, it's awesome. How do you know what he's doing? Hey, dummy. So how can you tell if what he's doing is for the purpose of um, a threshing floor, if he's doing it for the purpose of of improving the ground. 
Molyo, so the two gear stories here. But even before we jump into Gemara's answer, which might be a little bit confusing, but really, what's Gemara's question? Hey, Kedami. The Gemara's question is to an outsider. Gemara's going to say, depending on how he does it, right, that's going to show us whether or not he's doing it for Cholmite permissible purposes of threshing, or he's doing it to improve the quality of the karka so that he can plow and plant it later. But real, the real question is, who cares what it looks like? If what I, if at the end of the day I'm doing it so that I could thresh, then it should be mutter. If I'm not doing it so I could thresh, it should be also. What's Umar's question? So I think I saw the article brought down from somebody that the question really is. Is the question how do you know which is his intention? Why do you need to know his intention? That is the question. The question on the Gemara's question is, who cares how you're going to know what my intention is? I'm the person who needs to... I'm learning the Halakha. You tell me that I'm doing it for threshing, it's mother for the Karka Tzasr. So fine. If I'm doing it for threshing and you think I'm doing it for the Karka, who cares? So they explain that the Gemara's, the Gemara's question really is more than that. The Gemara's question is... How it let? Of course, I'm doing it for threshing because otherwise it would be aser. But how can I do it in a way that's obvious that I'm doing it for threshing, so that I will not uh, have other people say things about me? As I look at that, even if you're doing something that's mutter, there's marasain tam tiyam v'shem You're not supposed to make people raise an eyebrow, even if what you're doing is permissible. So the Mrs. Kash is, how can I do something and make it so obvious that I'm doing it for a permissible purpose? The, another pshat that they bring is. Like from a Rav's perspective, that a Rav has an obligation to protest if they see something that's not being done according to Allah. So how does a Rav know if what's going on, what the person's intention is? So the one say, based on what we see, is going to tell us what his intention is. That's, that's what we want to know. Now let's see what the Gemara says. The Gemara says, So let's, let's read it the way we have it for now. You might as well. Molya b'molya. If he takes a pile, so basically we're saying that he has an uneven field. There are a bunch of holes and there are a bunch of hills. And we're not talking about hills, we're talking about mounds, right? Small mounds of dirt. So if he, if he does mulya bimulya, he puts one hill next to another hill, benatza benatza, and he puts the holes into the holes, then we say adata debedari. Let's just read the way we have it for now. That means that he's doing it for threshing. And that says he's doing it for threshing. However, if he's shakal mulya, the shodavinatso, he takes a pile and he puts it into a hole, then adata da'ar. So the way we would understand this gear, so, is that by putting a, a one pile next to another pile, so we're making a small flat area which would be suitable for threshing. For threshing, you need less of a surface area that's flat, then you would need for actually planting. In order to plant the field, you really want everything to be smooth. To do threshing, you just need a small area that's smooth so you can set it up as your threshing station. Yeah, yeah. So, so he has to put the dirt of one mound onto, the, onto another mound. Or maybe next to it, so to even it out. Um, no, no, it's permissible if he puts it from one right. mound on top of another mound. Because it, then it's clear he's not evening out the field. Yeah, well, yeah so why is he doing anything? 
He's making a small flat area for threshing. Right, so that means without doing anything, there wasn't a good enough area. By adding in this extra molya, then he's getting enough of veneer. And the same thing with Natsu Banatsu, he's going to have a small area that's enough for threshing. But the, the best way to get an area for threshing and improve the quality of the karkam is by taking the molya and putting it in the Natsu. Right? If you take it to a hill and you put it in a hole, then you'll have a big area which you can use for threshing. It's also good for the field. Now, this, this fits well. With the way we just explained the Gemara's question, if I'm doing it for threshing, why can't I do it in a way that's good for both? Right? If if the truth is that I'm doing it for threshing, then why can't I pick up the molya, put it in a knot? It's also good for the field, but that's not just for the field. I would stay home and and continue with my yantif activities. The reason why I went out to the field with a shovel is because I have to thresh. So we're saying, but if the concern is for somebody else, that's why we have to be very careful. So we don't understand. I understand if he <coughs> takes dirt from a mound and puts it on top of another mound. But I don't understand if if shakal v'shada benitza. If he took a mound, um, no. What, what's the natsa benatsa? Natsa benatsa. How do you like? How do you you? You dig from, you take dirt from one hole and you put it into another hole. That looks like you're filling the, the second hole. So, so let's see what I I mean, how do you fill a hole with a hole? Well, it's, it's, uh, what I understand is if you take the dirt from one hole and put it into another hole, so you, you're going from hole to hole, so you, you're, you're... You get nothing. You get nothing, but you know that's uh, that's like a semantic trick because if you watch, you're filling the second hole. You take. We still gain nothing for your bedari or for anything. No, you, if if you did that, 